Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Wednesday, August 3rd. Field of Daggers. Today's scripture reading is from 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12-17 through 17 from the New Living Translation, which reads, One day Abner led Ishbosheth's troops from Mahanaim to Gibeon. About the same time, Joab, son of Zeruiah, led David's troops out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. The two groups sat down there, facing each other from opposite sides of the pool. Then Abner suggested to Joab, Let's have a few of our warriors fight hand-to-hand here in front of us. All right, Joab agreed. So twelve men were chosen to fight from each side, twelve men of Benjamin, representing Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and twelve representing David. Each one grabbed his opponent by the hair and thrust his sword into the other side so that all of them died. So this place at Gibeon has been known ever since as the Field of Daggers. A fierce battle followed that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were defeated by the forces of David. This is God's Word. This is a field we briefly visited recently in these reflections when pondering Paul's warning in Galatians that if we bite and devour one another, watch out or you'll be consumed by one another. I just keep being drawn back to this field of daggers, this Helkat Hazurim in the Hebrew, perhaps because we keep playing out so much of our history right here. Did you ever notice in Scripture that the first time humans ventured out into the field was the occasion of the first murder in human history? One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the field. And we've been killing each other ever since. Helkat Hazarim stands for any and every battlefield of any and every war, especially the religious wars and our incessant fratricidal civil wars. If the field of the world is a field of possibilities and dreams, let's at least be real and acknowledge that much of the time those dreams are nightmares. Like the field of the First Crusade launched by Christendom in the year 1099, described here in the words of John Dixon from his book on church history entitled Bullies and Saints. He writes, On July 15, 1099, something like 10,000 European crusaders burst through Jerusalem's protective walls. Marching through the narrow streets of the city, they fought anyone who resisted. They made their way up to the Haram al-Sharif, where they discovered thousands of residents cowering in fear, hoping against hope that their sacred precinct would provide them with protection, both practical and divine. But these fighting men, pilgrims as they called themselves, had been marching for two years. They had journeyed 2,000 miles from France to Jerusalem. They had been besieging the city for a month. They were not about to let a victory go to waste. According to our records, the Crusaders whipped themselves into such an unholy frenzy that they slaughtered men, women, and children. They threw some victims over the plaza's high walls to their death three stories below. They butchered the rest with swords, daggers, fire, arrows, and spears. They even gave chase to those who climbed the roof of the Al-Aqsa Mosque and had them killed on the spot. The blood reportedly filled the great promenade between the mosque and the dome. We have 
eyewitness accounts of these events with gruesome glee and obvious exaggeration. Raymond of Aguiers, the uh, leader of the First Crusade, wrote of this faithful day in the Ides of March with these words, wonderful sights were to be seen. Some of our men cut off the heads of their enemies. Others shot them with arrows so that they fell from towers. Others tortured them longer by casting them into the flames. Piles of heads, hands, and feet were to be seen in the streets of the city. It was a just and splendid judgment of God that this place should be filled with the blood of unbelievers since it had suffered so long from their blasphemies. Okay, no more. Enough. Master, look, here are two swords, say the eager disciples when Jesus told them that this time they needed to take a sword when they set out, as usual, missing the metaphor and grasping the literal handle. Rav Lechem, says the Galilean rabbi. Rav Lechem would roughly translate as enough of you already constituting the words of classic rabbinic rebuke, a rebuke still finding its way to us over the centuries. Rav Lachem, enough already, enough of these daggers, these swords, this biting, this devouring, enough, and bring on the children of the Prince of Peace. And speaking of the Prince of Peace, here's our follow-up reading today. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. That's Isaiah 9, 5 through 7, if you must know. Now pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer. What current field of daggers, politically, religiously, culturally, do you need to walk away from? How would the Prince of Peace have you serve as an ambassador of peace today? In a world that values the warmonger, how are you being challenged to say farewell to arms and to embrace all as the peacemaker? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.